good morning. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles up to the book of Philippians. We'll be reading from there in just a moment. Philippians chapter 3. While you're doing that and opening your Bibles to that passage, just like to extend the welcome that, that Joe already extended. Uh, it is so good to have them back with us. We, we miss them as well as they were gone on Wednesday. Uh, it's so good to see each and every one of you all here this morning. It is an encouragement to be to gather together with the saints, especially those who are visiting with us. You are always a great encouragement uh, as well to see you here. And we invite you back every opportunity that you can. In Philippians chapter 3, I want to read just six, maybe seven verses from this passage that's going to kind of direct our minds this morning as we study, starting in verse 10. I realize verse 10 is in the middle of a sentence, but that's where we're going to begin. He says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." Not that I've already obtained it or, already, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude. God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Does this sound familiar? This story that I'm about to... As I read this next story, just, does this feel like it fits you? Because I know it fits me sometimes. A hungry tiger started tracking the scent of a deer. As he followed the deer, he came across the scent of a rabbit. He turned aside and started to follow after the rabbit. And then he was distracted by the scent of a mouse, and he started following the scent of the mouse. He finally came to the hole in which the mouse had vanished, and he ended the day hungrier than when he started the day. Now that's a fable that describes and illustrates how many people spend their lives distracted and, and, and pulling in different directions at the end of the day while they wanted to do this or they wanted to do that, they've accomplished very little. I'll, I'll tell you, my, my week leading up to, to the camp that, that me and Holly are associated with, that's me. I feel like I'm pulled in, in different directions. I say, I'm going to do this, this, and this today. And then I, I start going out today and I say, oh, and I've got to do that. And, and I've got this to accomplish as well. And I've got this. And next thing I know, I end the day with the three things that I needed to do still on my to-do list, sitting over there looking, and I guess I'll have to do that tomorrow. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 16, calls us to focus. To focus in our life, our spiritual focus in life. And I, I don't know uh, that it, that's exactly the intention of our reading this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 7, but it was dawning on me that it's very similar in 1 Samuel 7 and verse 3, Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you, and direct your hearts to the Lord, and serve Him alone. It seems as if Samuel was calling them to a people that were distracted by other gods and by other ways and other nations to focus their minds back on the Lord. Paul seems to have a very similar idea. In, the, in verses 13 and 14, he said, this one thing, this one thing that I do, 
Not this hundred things that I, that I started doing. Not this dozen things that I attempt to do. This one thing that I do. He says, I'm putting all my energy into this one thing. And that is pressing towards the goal. That's a concept that I struggle with. That's a concept that, that for me is, is, is sometimes difficult because I get involved in, in many things. I get involved in many projects. And, and sometimes I end up doing less than my best with many of them because I've, I've allowed myself to be stretched thin. And maybe perhaps you have had that trouble too. And so what I want to spend some time this morning is talking about living a focused life. In doing so, studying how Paul was focused and how that can help us to, to be focused as well. To begin, we have to stay focused. But what was Paul focused on? He was focused on a person. Did you notice starting there in verse 10? He says, he starts that again in the middle of a sentence, but he starts that off saying that I may know him. Knowing Christ is what he was talking about. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. And that involves knowing more than just facts about him. That involves more than just knowing things that he said or things that he did. It includes developing a relationship with him. You see, Paul already enjoyed a special relationship with Christ. If you remember, on the road to Damascus, he had an experience that nobody else that is recorded could say he experienced. He had this special relationship already with the Lord, and yet still, he says, this is my focus. That I want to know more about Him. I want a better relationship with Him. He wanted a deeper and richer knowledge. And so in this life, we are called to know Christ. He wanted to know everything there was about Jesus. If you continue on in verse 10, he says, I want to know the power of His resurrection. He wanted to know the power and the strength that is made available to Christians through the resurrection of the Lord. Turn over to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul would say similarly. In verse 20. Galatians 2 and in verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died needlessly. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we're thinking about the power and the strength of the resurrection of the Lord. It's found within the believer in which that the believer is crucified with Christ. He dies with Christ and no longer, Paul says, it's no longer me living. It's no longer my strength carrying me through each day. Christ is carrying me. Christ is living in me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 seems to kind of echo that. That's a passage we're all probably very well aware of. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. The strength, the life that, that we live this day, the life that is in Christ, is a life that is based on the strength and the power of His resurrection. See, Paul knew there were things about Christ that were not only applicable then to him. Paul was understanding these are things that are necessary to me. I need to know about this power that comes through the resurrection. And at the same time, he felt that there was a need for that constant renewal of that strength and that power. So in addition, in addition to, to knowing the power of his resurrection, he also wanted to know about the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship of his sufferings. Fellowship, now we could, we could probably spend a lot of time talking about fellowship and about what that word means. But in a very simple form, fellowship means sharing. 
Fellowship means being joined together in participation. We're on the same plane, we're on the same page, and we're working towards the same goal. And he said, I want to, have the, I want to know about the fellowship, about the sharing, about the joint participation in Christ's suffering. It seems that Paul felt no one could know Christ fully unless he was sharing in his suffering. And Paul, of all people, could, could say that he was doing this. In Galatians chapter 6, and in verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. I don't, I don't fully know uh, if this is the context of this statement, but it brings my mind back to the first time that Paul comes on the scene in, as a Christian. And he comes to the church there in Antioch and he says, I want to be a part of this church. And they all say, we know who you are. We know what you've been doing. And it wasn't until Barnabas kind of vouches for him that he's allowed in. He says here, I don't want to have any more trouble. You all, I have proven myself. Look at the brand marks. Now the brand marks of Paul were similar to the brand marks of Jesus. Jesus was flogged. Jesus was caused to carry His cross through the street. Jesus was hung on that cross. His hands and His, his uh, feet were nailed to that cross. Paul was beaten. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was bitten by a viper. Paul was stoned and left for dead. He bore visibly the brand marks of Christ. He knew what it meant to share in the suffering. And through the suffering for the cause of Christ, Paul came to understand more clearly what the Lord had endured for him. Now, Paul's not saying this here so that everyone should be like him. You notice he said that before. He said that before when he was before the, uh, the, the rulers in, uh, in Rome. He said, I would have you all to be like me. Save these chains. He's not saying everybody needs to be beaten. Everybody just needs to be stoned and they need to be shipwrecked or they just can't understand what what God has done, what Jesus has done. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying that when we partake in that suffering, when we follow Christ, and Christ told us, if you're following me, the world will hate you. He says, when you're following me and you feel the suffering, you feel the persecution that comes from following Him, from following Christ, let that motivate you. Let that focus you. Let that drive you. I want to know more about that, he says. I want to know more about his power and his resurrection. And I want to know more about the fellowship of his suffering because it brings in me a renewal of what he has done and what he went through for me. And then he concluded his thoughts in verse 11 with these words. Not only do I want to know more of Christ in this life, the power of his resurrection, the power of his suffering, or the fellowship of his suffering. But in verse 11, he says, I want to be conformed to his death. Conformed to his death. With the help of the Lord, Paul was dying to himself. In Galatians chapter 2, 20, we read that just a minute ago. He was crucified. Paul was no longer living his own life, but Christ was living his life in him. His desire then to know Christ more fully carries with it four facets. He wants to have a personal experience. He says, I want to know Christ more. Not, not I want, you know, these people know Christ more and then I know them. Not this, this scholar over here knows Christ more and I know him. He says, I want to personally know Christ more. What does that involve? It involves knowing about the resurrection. That's a powerful experience. Knowing that there, there is power that comes through the sacrifice that Christ made. There is power that comes through the fact that He wasn't left in the grave to die, but He was raised up. 
But he also says there's a pain to this as well. And I want to experience that pain, that fellowship of his suffering. Because as I experience that pain, I am brought closer to Christ, recognizing what he has done for me. And then there's a practical experience. I want to be conformed to his, to his death. That's the beginning of our quest to know Christ. And Paul would say that in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, you see a very similar process being brought forward. He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we, no long, we would no longer be slaves to sin. For He who has died is free from sin. The emphasis, the emphasis here in Romans 6 is on the suffering of Christ. The emphasis here in Romans 6 is on the resurrection of Christ. The emphasis here in Romans 6 is on the conforming of those who had belonged to Christ to His death. So it seems like Paul was looking forward to knowing more about Christ. And as he ends that, it seems like he was also looking forward to knowing more about Christ in this next life or in this life to come. <clears throat> Evidently, this is what Paul had in mind in Philippians chapter 3. In verse 11, when he says, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Were these not the same words that Christ used? In John chapter 5, John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. There he says, do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. And will come forth those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Paul here is looking back on what Christ has said. He said, I want that. I want that resurrection of life. I'm looking forward to attaining that resurrection of life. I'm looking forward to a time when I can come to know Christ and know Him more fully. The focus in Paul's life is focused on this person, Christ. What He has done for him what he has promised to do, and what he requires from Paul. So we might say then that he's also focused on a goal. Look over in verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and preaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a couple things we see here in Paul's mentality as, he, as, as we read these words. One, as he is focused on this goal, he is regarding his present sense saying, I need humility. Verse 12, he said, not as though I have already obtained it. Paul did not yet obtain the full knowledge of Christ. He did not yet obtain that which would come at the resurrection. He looked forward to that. He wanted that. And he was headed that way. He says, I'm marching towards that. That's my goal. That's where I'm headed. But I haven't got there yet. He also said in the latter part, I am also not perfect yet. Paul knew that he was not everything that he could be. He's not everything that he should be. 
And so Paul is claiming, I have room to grow. Now if the Apostle Paul can make a claim like that, if the Apostle Paul that wrote most of the epistles that we have recorded for us in our Scriptures, most of the things that were left after after Jesus' words, he says, look, I've got room to grow. Can we not say that as well? Can we not have the same attitude? In fact, that's the Bible challenge for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul leaves that challenge in verse 15. He says, be careful. Uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. That's the goal. That's the challenge that has been placed on us is to continue to grow. To never say, all right, I've reached it. I've made it to perfection. I've made it to the full knowledge of Christ. Paul say, no, there's still things that I can learn. There's still things that I need to be better at. There's still things that I need to work on and hone my abilities as a Christian. That's in the present. That's what I'm doing right now. But there's also a past that he's going to talk about here. And in that past, forgiveness is needed. Because Paul had to cope with a lot of stuff that had happened in his past. Verse 13, he says, forgetting the things which are behind. Well, what did it that Paul had to forget? One thing that he had to forget were his past successes. Might not be something that we, we, we think about all the time, but he also has to forget, he does have to forget about his past successes. In verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, we might argue whether or not those things were actually successes in the life of a Christian, but that's not the point he's making. He's saying the things that you might count as a success, the things that I might count as a success, I can't rest on that. I can't live on that and say that right there is what's going to get me through. He said, I've got to actually forget those things because I've got something else that I'm pressing on towards. So he's not going to rely on the past accomplishments. He says, I'm going to continue to try and prove myself. But probably more applicable to him and maybe more, maybe more applicable to us I've got to forget my past failures. He's already admitted, I'm not perfect. I've not laid hold of it yet. But you notice Paul doesn't seem to spend a whole lot of time regretting and, and wallowing that former life that he lived. Paul says, I have to put that behind me because I'm a man that's repented. I've had a change of heart that has led to a change in my actions. I'm living a new life. And yes, the former life that I lived was a failure. And I caused pain in a lot of different ways, but I can't dwell in that. I need to move forward. I need to move on. Many don't do this. Many allow the past to destroy them. They allow the past to to eat them up. Whether it be their successes or their failures, they constantly dwell on those things. Paul says, I can't be defined by my past. I've got to be divined by my present. And that present needs humility, but that present also needs a future. And in that future, progress is needed. You see, when we dwell on the past, we become distracted by the things that we have done that are good, or we become discouraged by the things that we have done that are bad. And Paul says, one thing I do, forget what lies behind, and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on. There's intensity in there. Pressing on is not a stroll in the park. Pressing on does not not mean, well, I'm shuffling towards something in front of me. 
Pressing on gives you the idea of endurance. Pressing on gives you the idea of overcoming obstacles. You hear about that sometimes as you maybe, I tell you, I love to watch anything that has to do with Mount Everest. Whenever somebody's climbing Mount Everest, you've got these expedition groups going up to Mount Everest, and they say, we get to this base camp, and a storm was, was whipping up, and, and there was all, you know, the temperatures are dropping, and we're like, I don't know if we should go to the next one. They say, but we decided to press on. I don't think anybody hears those words and think, oh, that's just going to be a, that's going to be a cakewalk to go to that next camp. No, they say we see that it's a hard journey in front of us, but we're going to try and we're going to push and we're going to fight and we're going to give everything we have. Paul says, I'm going to fight. I'm going to press on. But press on towards what? He says, I'm going to press on towards a goal. There are two things that have become abundantly clear to me in my life as a Christian. Two things that I cannot, I just cannot simply get past. The first one is it is taking me a long, long time and is going to continue to take me a long time to become the person that God wants me to be. I find that every day to be true. Every day I find that I still have, have something that I need to work on and it has taken me a lot longer than I wish and I know there's still going to be more in the future, but I can't give up. I can't quit because there's a goal that I'm striving for. But the second thing that I've learned as a Christian is the two most important goals in this life are to fear God and keep His commandments. Ephesians, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Paul understood that concept so well. It had taken a long time to get to where he was going. It had taken a long time to get to where he was at that day. And he says, I've still got a long way to go. Where I'm going is still in the future. It's at the resurrection of Christ. It's at the full knowledge of Him. That's my goal. That's where I'm headed to. But I'm not there yet. But nothing's going to distract me. Nothing's going to take my focus off of fearing God and keeping His commandments because at the end of that goal is a prize that I'm striving for. And finally, we see in this that he was focused on a person, he was focused on a goal, but he was also focused on people. In verses 15 through 16, we find a change in his language. He says, Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard which we have attained. You notice in verses 4 through 14, when you go back and read that, Paul's focus was on his life. He says, I and me and my and myself. But he starts off verse 15 with a shift. He says, Let us. Paul's focus in life was also on other people. And he wanted everyone, he wanted everyone, not just the Christians in Philippi or the Christians in Galatia, or the Christians in Corinth. He wanted everyone. I believe this is His desire for the world, but especially for those in Christ, to have the same attitude that He was describing. He has a genuine concern for the people closest to Him and the people of this world. But He also has a focus on correction. He says, if any of you have a different attitude, 
God will reveal that also to you. One trait of immaturity, one trait of immaturity is an inadequate grasp of God's Word. We talk about people maturing in Christ, being perfect in Christ, being mature in Christ, or complete, I mean, in Christ. To get there, they need to know God's Word. They need to know what He says. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. They need to grow in that. And so one aspect of failing to reach maturity is not growing in knowledge that comes from God's Word. And Paul was confident that you can give instruction. You can get what you need to make the proper decision to have the proper attitude from the Word of God. He was confident that those who dissented from this attitude, that changed from this attitude, could learn better and could be taught better. If my focus is not what we've described here this morning, if my focus is not on Christ, if my focus is not on the power of His resurrection, if my focus is not on the the, the the fellowship of His suffering, and the full, uh, full knowledge of Him attained at the resurrection. If my focus is on the past, and I haven't, I haven't got, moved away from my past successes, if I haven't forgiven myself for my past failures, if I'm not humble right now, if I am not focused towards my goal, I can reach that. I can have that focus. If that attitude is not in me, Paul says, I know it can be. He doesn't say, you're just, well, you're just lost and without a cause. He says, God can provide this. But it comes through His Word. It comes through knowing Him. Through spending time with Him. And He gives that to us with this final general command. He says, let's keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. To be spiritually united. To be spiritually focused. To be spiritually with the same attitude, we have to have the same authority. A common authority. God's Word. God's will for us is plain if we will be obedient to Him and adhere to His Word. Living the focused life finds us staying focused on the spiritual tasks that are before us. And there are other things that are important. I don't want you to come away from this saying thinking that I'm saying that anything else outside anything else outside of this book is absolutely useless. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying where should our focus be? Where should our drive be pointing us towards? There are things that deserve our attention even in this world. But if our mind if our mind is on things above, if we are longing to know Christ and rise in the end to that resurrection of life, then we will be pressing on towards our goal. Spiritually focused. Again, many matters in this life are important, but none are as important as following Jesus. Maybe this morning, that's something that's been on your mind, that you would like to do, to follow Him, to, to submit yourself to Him as the King. I would ask you, would you submit yourself and your relationships to Him? Have you submitted yourself and your finances to Him? Have you submitted yourself and your friendships to Him and your choices to Him? Have you submitted everything to Him or would you be willing to submit everything to Him? Part of that is His will that when we join Him, when we join Him in His death through baptism, when we are raised up out of that water to newness of life, we are making a commitment to submit to Him. To submit to Him as the King. And to submit everything that we have and be born anew as a new creature living for Christ. We would like to help you with that this morning.
or if you've already done so, but realize maybe throughout the years you have become distracted by the things of this world. You have not been submitting everything in your life to Him. You've been trying to gain pieces back for yourself. You're going to be the master of this part. or You're going to be the master of that one. We would like to help you with that as well. We can repent. We can turn back to Him. We can have a change of heart that leads to a change of action. If there's some way we can help you in these things, won't you please let it be known. Come forward as we stand.